You are listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, More to the Story podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday Sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Now, here is more to the story. Welcome to the Forefront Church Podcast, a bonus podcast. We are uh, derailing from our typical sermon recap to bring up a topic that showed up last week. How do we treat those with different views? What do we do when they approach us about their views? With us today, Pastor Darren Enns. Welcome to the podcast. How you doing? Hey, everybody. I'm doing good. Pastor Drew Tarwater, how you doing? Doing great, guys. And Rob, it's not that uncommon for us to get derailed off topic. So this is right in line. <laughs> right? This is time we're actually derailing or derailing on purpose, which is the more interesting <laughs> part here. So, and I'm Rob Lazzi. Thank you so much for listening and joining us today. Uh, last week at Forefront Church, there was a, someone that dropped off some newsletters on the cars in the parking lot. Uh, Darren, can you give us a quick recap of that? Yeah, I, I think most people got it. I'm not sure if everybody got these flyers, but um, there was an individual who came by who is in the Seventh-day Adventist tradition and their denomination there, and uh, they dropped off uh, two separate documents. One was kind of a newspaper type thing that outlined a lot of beliefs. Uh, most of them were about end times, um, and some of so th- some of those beliefs were also just about generic um like, why do we worship on, on Saturday? What does the gospel stuff say? And then there was a separate one that was just a two-page document stapled together that was all about end times and a specific interpretation that Seventh-day Adventists have about, you know, things like Revelation, even some, some end times prophecies from Daniel. Um, and so it, it was really interesting. Um, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm excited to have this conversation because, uh, it's very rare that we as a church all have the same experience and have a chance to be united in how we respond and how we think about these things. So I'm really excited to have this conversation with you all and, and continue that with those of you who are listening to the podcast. Yeah, no, it's interesting when you see other people's like denominations or groups that they have a, a slightly different belief of what, you know, traditional Christianity has. And it also gives us a chance to sort of understand what we believe a little bit more. Yeah, a lot of the um, the definitions that the early church came up with were based on interactions with other people who had different beliefs. So when the church established the trinity of like Jesus's divinity and his humanity, it was in response in the early church because people were denying that Jesus was God or they were denying that he was human in some form or fashion. And so a lot of those doctrines that we have are in response to what we then would call a heresy. Like we only have the trinity of God's or of Jesus's divinity because people were rejecting that he was divine. And so they got together as early church leaders and kind of hashed it out and wrote it down. And a lot of those things come out of the the creeds like the Apostles' Creed or Nicene Creed. Those are in response to um, those kinds of heresies that came out in the early church. Yeah, so speaking specifically about this uh, Seventh-day Adventist uh, newsletter that was uh, put on a lot of cars there at Forefront on Sunday, um, 
what's what's the from the Seventh Day Adventists? What do they believe about God versus say what we believe about God? So, Rob, I think it's interesting. Anytime you do have this interaction as, as the church, we can be the filter for people to really gain an understanding on how each of our say traditions of faith and backgrounds and experiences can um, can relate, can overlap, but also be very different. And so, you know, I, I think that the nice part about this opportunity, it's kind of funny, it's kind of an opportunity for us to talk about another denomination. Um, we'll often have people say, Hey, what denomination is forefront? Or they start coming to forefront and they say, you know, Hey, what, what, you know, what networks are you a part of as a church? And we'll often say, hey, you know, we're a non-denominational church with Baptist roots. And, you know, a lot of people kind of have an experience with Baptists, right? Um, we talked a couple of weeks ago about the Anabaptists and some of the history of baptism. Darren talked about some of the background with Mennonite Brethren, uh, Believer's Baptism. So I think this podcast has been good because we've been able to dive into these things. One of the denominations that I know personally for myself growing up, I did not have much interaction with was the Seventh-day Adventist, right? I mean, we've got connections with, many people have Catholic connections or obviously, um, you know, some of the other kind of mainline Protestant denominations like Lutheran and Methodist. But Seventh-day Adventist is just a very different one. And so it is interesting to to look at, you know, when you look at the Seventh-day Adventist as a whole, um, you find that much of their beliefs are very similar to ours. Uh, you know, to just kind of a, an orthodox Christian view, what separates them, there's a couple fine points that separate it, uh, may say may, it may be an evangelical uh, view versus the Seventh-day Adventist view. And as Darren just said a second ago, the big one is Saturdays, right? They're, they're very firm on Saturday worship, which we can talk about. Also, we'll talk more about end times because that's an area that they're very different on. Uh, but if you said, hey, what do you believe about God? What do you believe about Jesus? Uh, they're going to say things that are very similar that you're going to hear us preach about the Bible too. Um, and so it's just one of those denominations that we're not very familiar with. So I think this is good to, to dive into and help provide a filter for the people at Forefront and the broader audience to say, hey, when I, when I talk to someone who does come in Seventh-day Adventist faith, uh, tradition. Are, are we walking the same path here? Do we believe the same things about Jesus? Uh, because I think it's important that we can speak to people in our circles that do go to different churches and be able to find common ground to talk about Jesus. But it's also important to know where do some of the differences lie? And are these, again, essentials or non-essential areas? I think one of the most important ways that that we at Forefront should should think about it is, uh, and, and I, I forgot this from, from their website and also from a website called the Gospel Coalition, uh, which is run by, by people who very much uh, believe what, what we talk about here at Forefront. Um, and it is that when they baptize someone, the first question they ask is, do you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and you want to follow him for the rest of your life? That's a fantastic question. That's a, very much what we ask as well. And the second question, though, and this is where it, it starts to get a little bit nuanced, is essentially, um, do you believe to interpret, or do you uh, profess to believe the Bible says what we have said it has? It, it, <laughs> essentially, do you interpret the Bible the way we interpret the Bible here in this denomination? Um, and, and that has to do with a couple different end times things, also worshiping on Saturdays. Um, so when we, if we'd come to the table, we would very much have a, a similar starting place. A faith in Jesus, and that really is the 
number one thing that we, you know, we hold. That, that, that's a die topic, that we have to believe in Jesus, we, we have to follow him w- with our whole selves, um, and that Jesus was crucified, dead, buried, raised on the third day, and, and we, we both start there. Um, another thing I'll say, I, I wonder if this individual um, may be slightly on like the, the a, a far... I don't know, far, far right, far left, whatever, maybe on, on the fringe of what a, what a traditional mainline Seventh-day Adventist would, would believe, um, because it, it does take quite a bit of, um, uh, I don't know, intense thought and planning to go and flyer a church on Sunday morning when they're worshiping, and we believe so much of the same things. So I, I wonder if this person is probably, like, I mean, Christians do this too, and we, we look at people protesting certain events and holding up signs that we as, as Christians are just like, no, you're totally missing it. This is not the correct way to do it. I wonder if this individual might be uh, similar to that within um, that denomination. Yeah, I agree. And I think this is an opportunity for us to talk about how do we respond in those situations, right? You know, if we come across people that, I mean, and let's just call it what it is. You know, we we are in the building on Sunday morning and we have someone who comes and puts flyers on all of our cars. Basically one of the flyers saying, here, here are some things that your church may not be teaching you about the end times. So, you know, that that's a kind of a, a, a gentle way of saying, Hey, your church is not teaching what you need to be hearing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, it's not, you know, you hear Westboro Baptist and these guys are standing at a, at a military funeral with signs you see that kind of stuff and it, it does anger you. And and so, you know, we got to learn about how do we respond in grace? Uh, but that is just outside, you know, that, that right there, you can understand why people really get upset when, when they see Westboro Baptist stand out this, this guy, you know, he has some kind of a conviction that about end times prophecy. And he wants to put that on the windows of the cars at forefront. We're not going to, you know, I mean, he's not outside of our church with a banner and a pitchfork and a fire torch, but yet he's, communicating something that he feels is not being taught right. So how do we respond when we see somebody putting a flyer on our car, or we have somebody knock on our door that wants to chat about these things. I think it's the idea of, you know, like Paul talks about in Colossians, like we need to respond in kindness when our speech be seasoned with salt um, so that we can, you know, not be stumbling blocks for other people. So I think this is a good discussion for us to have to understand what they believe, but also to know like, Hey, when we encounter people who do have some different beliefs than we do, we need to be able to respond in grace, kindness, and love at the same time. But at this, you know, in that same vein, standing on the word of truth, which is God's word alone. Yeah, no, it's interesting to think about when, you know, he, like you said, he had some type of convictions that, like, what are our convictions enough to go tell people that they need a savior? You know, he's and, the- and are we passionate enough to go and do that? Like, at some level, we have we have to respect this person. Because he, he's very passionate. Are we? Now, I would not recommend, dear Forefront, that we go to other churches. I think there, there's a <laughs> distinction there. But are we passionate right. enough that we feel the need to go and share it like this individual shared with us? I think that's, that's something that we really can learn, I think. No, absolutely. And so if something like this happened again, whether it was a, you know, a different church, different organization, like how would, how would you recommend, you know, if someone knocked on your door, like you're saying, Drew, or even just a conversation at the coffee shop came up, what would you recommend? Yeah, I think, you know, take a page out of what happened on Sunday. So Rebecca Smith, our facilities director, sees this guy putting flyers on cars and she invites him in for coffee in church. And I love that, right? 
I think, you know, somebody comes to your door and it's a Seventh-day Adventist, it's a, or let's, let's, let's go outside and let's say, Hey, it's somebody who's uh, a Jehovah's witness, right? Uh, they're, you know, the, the, the infamous jokes of the Jehovah's witness or the, you know, the, the Mormon, uh, Latter-day Saint church coming and knocking on your door. You know, I think a lot of people just say, Hey, we're not interested in close the door. I think as Christians, let's engage with them, you know, cause these are, these are people at some level who are searching for truth. They think they've got it right. And so they're going to come tell you about it. Well, when we go and knock on someone's door and invite them to church, we're inviting them to come hear about Jesus, right? Well, what a beautiful opportunity of someone who um, is at your door who wants to talk about Jesus. For us as Christians to invite a man or stand on the porch and talk. And, um, you know, three, the three questions I always like to ask, and, and we can dive into this with the Seventh-day Adventists. If someone comes to my door, I like to say, well, hey, who is Jesus to you? What do you believe in is the word of God, right? What, what's your, what's your source? And then third is what do you believe happens someday when you die? And those three questions can really shape a lot of what a denomination or another religion like Islam or Hindu uh, Buddhism or a cult, which we, which we would call a cult, something that has uh, rewritten the word of God and has taken it a, a far different direction. And so um, I think those are three good questions to ask. I, I think maybe we can put those in the show notes. And if you're listening, if somebody comes to your door and knocks, ask those questions because that will start some really good engagement. Um, and that might be a good place for us to start here, Darren, as we talk about what does the Seventh-day Adventist Church teach? Yeah, so as I already mentioned, they're, they're pretty much in line <coughs> excuse me, with what, um, what we say about Jesus. Um, and, and your second question is, what do you say the Bible is? That they, they're fairly close. They have that one nuance where they really want to stay within their vein uh, of belief. And, and they, have, um, they have their own commentaries and their own scholars that they listen to. Uh, for example, Ellen G. White is, is someone, she's very close to the founding members uh, of, of the denomination, which was in 1844, by the way. Um, and they, they hold her as a very, very highly esteemed prophet within their denomination. Um, uh, it's, it's, and without really being a part of their denomination, it's hard to know exactly how high, um, but potentially as almost as high as scripture, as though you need to funnel your interpretations of scripture through um, her writings and through what, what she says and, and her prophetic teachings. Um, and that's, that's a, little, uh, a little outside of what Christianity w- w- would say, because we, we feel free to disagree with our great theologians like um, St. Augustine from the 4th century, church fathers such as Ignatius, or um, even uh, like C.S. Lewis is one of the more recent scholars that we're like, yeah, C.S. Lewis is pretty great. But we can feel free to disagree with all of them and still be, you know, part of our, our typical Christian denomination here. So um, that, that's one interesting thing. And the other one comes, uh, if we just get into how the, the whole denomination was founded, someone in the 1840s uh, read Revelation a specific way, and he decided, or they decided, that the world was going to end in 1844 or 1843, somewhere around there. Well, lo and behold, it didn't, and so there were some people who just kind of rejected that that cultish following, but there was someone who uh, claimed to have a vision that the prediction was actually correct, but the location was wrong. Jesus wasn't actually coming back to this earth. What happened was Jesus, in the temple in heaven, he moved from the holy place to the most holy place, 
So if you think about the Old Testament temple, there were kind of three sections. There was the outer courts, and the, or I guess four. Outer courts is like, you know, outside the temple. And then there's the inner courts within the walls. And then there is the holy place, which is uh, where there was incense burning and the, the bread was there. Um, and then there was a curtain that divided the holy place between the most holy place. The most holy place was where the Ark of the Covenant was, where God's presence literally dwelt. And the high priest could only go into that place once per year, during the um, Yom Kippur celebration, goat sacrifice type thing. So in heaven, they are reading certain scriptures in Revelation, in the book of Hebrews, and the book of Daniel, very literally. Not literarily, like, like I, I like to say, but literally. So if, if there's a temple, um, like if John in Revelation sees a vision of a temple, they take that literally, that there is a temple in heaven. Not that it's meant to communicate um, the end times in, in visionary type things, like like John saw. And so Jesus, when he moved in 1844 from the holy place to the most holy place, uh, what they have come to say is that Jesus is now judging everyone on earth, both those who have passed away and are, quote, asleep, um, th- those who are dead, um, and those who are still alive. The, I think there's some kind of book in the most holy place where names are written and Jesus is currently investigating everyone to see if they are with Christ, if they are in Christ. And, and that has began in 1844, and we are in the last period of judgment now. And that is what, um, that's the key difference um, between what, what a, like a Christian like here at Forefront would believe, what we would teach, and, and what they believe. Because we don't think that we're in the judgment yet, um, I, we, you know, we're going to get to revelation, uh, here in our greater story and it'll be real fun and interesting. Um, with my Bible study, I'm going to start next semester and we're going to walk through revelation chapter by chapter, uh, and just see, see what's there. So, uh, yeah, Drew, go ahead. What you got? In times prophecy, um, eschatology, you know, whatever big word you want to throw in there. I, I it, it's fascinating and it, it captures the minds and hearts of a lot of people. And I think that's why the book of Revelation is, is uh, you know, there's been so many books written about it. There's There's been so many studies written about it. And there are certain, you know, just certain denominations that are really captivated by end times um, eschatology and just what, what does the Bible have to say? And and I, I do think, Darren, that's a good a good way to um, to mention that, you know, are we reading the Bible literally or literarily, right? Um, because it is literature that God has used to spoke to us and communicate different things. I think what happens is, and, and you know, the, the start of the Seventh-day Adventist group was not the only end-time prophecy group we've seen, right? We see it all the time. Harold Camping, just a few years ago, 2014, I mean, he he believed that 2014 was the year that Jesus was going to come back. And um, there's there's been a lot of different groups that have rallied around this, when is Jesus going to return concept? I think the problem we run into is, you know, the Bible does say that Jesus is going to return like a, th- 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 you know, thief in the night, right? Nobody knows the hour. Um, and so what happens is when we begin to communicate dates and times and ideas like this, we back ourselves into a corner where we're now, oh, we got it wrong. We, it was really, it wasn't 2014, it was 2040, whatever, right? <laughs> and so we begin to say, oh, we misread this one thing. And it's like when you, I'm not calling anybody a liar, but it's like, you know, if you tell a little fib, you know, you got to get out of it by telling another fib. Next thing you know, you're like, man, I was fishing in Brazil over the weekend, you know, that kind of thing. And and so I think sometimes what happens is we begin to build these frameworks around a concept. I you think we've seen this in the Catholic Church, right, with the veneration of Mary. And, and so I think 
when we, we think about this in, you know, kind of this end time view, it, it is easy to make that become the main thing. And, and that becomes our focus rather than, you know, our focus is, is Christ and, and, in living the life that Jesus called us to living in the kingdom now. It's not all this future focus that we have in end times. And sometimes I think that can pull our eyes away and get us off track. And I wonder in this case, if, if there's some foundational framework built around the Seventh-day Adventist church that's that's done that. Well, what does the Bible say? Because like they're claiming like with Ellen Page, I think I got the name right. Is uh, Ellen White. Ellen, Ellen White, sorry. Ellen Page is the actress, or was. Um, <laughs> Umbrella Ellen, Academy, I think. Ellen White is uh, the uh, claim to be a prophet with with a prophecy. And what does the Bible say about people that claim to have a prophecy or a prophet? Like, what do we do with what they're saying? I think prophecy always has to be interpreted through the lens of Scripture, and that's what what Paul says when he's like, anything you hear, like test it. Like the Bereans, every, mm-hmm. anything that Paul taught, they, they tested. And that's a really good thing um, thing to do. And so that's, it, it's, it's like, do, do we funnel the Bible through Ellen White or do we funnel Ellen White through the Bible? I think it should right. be that way. We funnel what she says first through scripture. And um, one of the, the, the top, the very first scripture that's on, that was on that page that was put on, on our windshields was from Daniel 8.14, which talks about... Um, and he said unto me, until 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. And when you pluck that verse out of the context, you can, you can make it mean whatever they, you, you, can, you want it to. And so that, the bullet point right under that says, this prophecy met its fulfillment in the year 1844. Why? 2,300 days. And, and it actually says mornings and evenings in, in the Hebrew. And so is that... So is that like one morning and then the second is an evening? Like there's all kinds of, of, of questions that, that we have about that. And in the, in the middle of the context, um, that passage in Daniel is a prophecy that most commentaries you read unanimously will state that those kinds of things were fulfilled in the first and second century BC by this uh, Assyri- or, yeah, Syrian ruler called Antiochus Epiphanes who came in and desecrated the temple uh, in right. Jerusalem and like sacrificed a pig on the altar and made a statue of himself. That's, that's what that is talking about. And they're extending it to something that I have a lot of questions about. Why 1844 and why not, you know, back then? Yeah. And I think too, you know, it gets this idea like, oh, well, we got it wrong. So now we have to try to create a reason for, we would just misinterpret it. So Jesus moved from one spot to another and now he's judging the world um, from, you know, the holy place. And, you know, I think back to John 3, 16 and 17, right? So God came to save the world. But what does John 3, 17 say? He didn't come to condemn the world, but to save it, right? And so, you know, it just, I feel like we're backing ourselves into a corner when we try to, um, to try to fit something into this framework to try to make ourselves not be wrong rather than saying, okay, well, you know, here's what we know, you know, that Jesus is going to come back. Right. And so when you take Ellen White and you have someone who says, Hey, I'm going to go into, you know, interpret it scripture for you so you can understand it. We are essentially doing what the Catholic church has done and raising the interpretations of scripture by church leaders and the early church fathers as the Catholic church has done and putting them on par with scripture. Whereas, you know, in our tradition, in the evangelical tradition, what we'll say is that it's sola scriptura. 
um, you know, after coming out of the Reformation. It's the Bible alone, Scripture alone, and anything else, Darren, you said it well, we have to filter through. So we need to filter through the writings of the Church Fathers or the writings of C.S. Lewis or Tim Mackey, right, Bible Project, in light of Scripture, not the other way around. What's interesting to think about is like, what's the, the big differential that is easily seen is like they worship on Saturday and they say, and on the extremist side or the more, you know, on their side, it says, Hey, if you're not worshiping on Saturday, it's the mark of the beast. So what's, why do we worship on Sunday and they worship on Saturday? Yeah. As I was reading through their information, they put out, they, they talked about that, like in, at the, at the top of the second page or the first page, it's like, what are you not being told in all Sunday worshiping churches? Like it, right off the bat that they're saying that we're doing something wrong. But in in researching and trying to look at all the documents and stuff, I, I couldn't find anything that gave a, a, ref, a refu, uh, what's the word? refutation, uh, an argument against what why we worship on Sundays. It, it was all about, well, scripture, the Sabbath was on Saturdays, which is true. We're not denying any of that. Um, but when we say that, that we worship on Sundays, we are establishing that on the basis that Jesus rose from the grave on Sunday. And that in, in this new covenant that Jesus has started, we're celebrating the resurrection every single Sunday at the beginning of our week as the foundation for how we go about our lives. It's not the end of our week, but it's the beginning signifying this new creation, a celebration where we all get together and, and celebrate Jesus and what he has done. So we're not bound to Old Testament law when it says, hey, you need you at sundown on Friday, you have to cease your work. It's a very healthy rhythm. I will say that there are stats out there. Seventh-day Adventists are quite healthy because they have a really good rhythm, because they hold it actually a lot tighter than most Christians do, where they stop, they do not work, and they celebrate and relax one day a week, the whole day. And they have higher health rates. They have, they, I think they even live a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have something to learn from that, but we're confident in saying that we don't have to do that on Saturday. Yeah, I think what... I mean, I have to appreciate their approach, right? They look at the Ten Commandments and say, well, God, even though Jesus came and fulfilled the law, and he he said, I did not come to abolish it, but to fulfill it. And, you know, the Ten Commandments, we're not just going to say it's okay to start lying and it's okay to kill and it's okay to, you know, covet your neighbor's things. And, and so all the other of the Ten Commandments, we, we still think are very important to follow. Why would we change the one on the Sabbath? I mean, I think at the heart of what they say is, well, hey, you know, we're, we're, we're called to worship God first and, and, um, and be honest and all these things and, and worship on Saturdays, on the Sabbath. Um, and so from their perspective, I, I appreciate that, argu- you know, kind of their, their argument on that. Um, but I think the challenge that it runs into is when you begin to say, okay, well, we have to do these things. And if we mess them up, then we are failing God uh, rather than looking at the, hey, when I... You know, when we look at the Ten Commandments, when I fall into idolatry and I start worshiping my job or the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, more than God, um, Jesus, you know, I repent to that. I, you know, I, Jesus has forgiven me of that. I know that it doesn't mean I, I should just let it happen. But I, I say, you know, OK, God, I know you, Jesus came to, to uh, fulfill the law. And through Christ, I have forgiveness over all my mistakes. You know, um, I, I'm not going to, you know basically lose my salvation because I told a lie. Um, whereas I, I'm not saying that the, the Seventh-day Adventists believe you can lose your salvation if you go to church on Sunday, but I, I think they hold the Saturday worship at this elevated level. 
um, almost to the point where it's on, it's become this unhealthy thing where they will, you know, some of the more extreme Seventh-day Adventists will look at, at evangelical churches and say, well, yeah, you just, you're breaking God's law and God's commandment by worshiping on Sunday. And what we're saying is, no, we're following the, all the first commandments, right? We're, we're honoring God. We're like, we're putting God first in our lives and we're worshiping God. We've just chosen to do it on the day that Jesus rose from the grave, um, on the Lord's day and to worship on Sundays rather than, than Saturday. Um, and it's all, ba- you know, calendars are different too. And, and, you know, th- different things. And so, um, I just think it's one of those areas where it's fun to discuss. Um, but it's not an essential thing where we get into the, a, de- def- a you know, like a defense or, or it's not a hill we want to die on. Uh, so I think it's a fun one to have a conversation with uh, seventh day Adventists on, Hey, let's talk about Saturday versus Sunday worship. But, but you know, the fact that I'm worshiping on Sundays is not, breaking God's commands because my heart posture is right. So what I'm hearing you say, Drew, is that we may start a Saturday service. Hey, let's do it. You know, I mean, we can, if we can reach some more people, <laughs> man, let's, let's go. So as we wrap this up, uh, Darren, is there any party thoughts here as we, especially as we, I mean, we talked a lot about the seventh day Adventists and what they believe, but then kind of like how we help those when we were in discussions with people who honestly disagree with us. Uh, I guess what, what I'll say is if there are any, like if, if you're interested, podcast listener, uh, of, of what this is all about, like you, you, you read something that they put on their sheet and you have questions about it, like what do we believe about this? Uh, feel free to come and talk to us about it. Um, I mean, you know me, I, I can't resist uh, a theological question. Uh, I, I recently preached a sermon in class and I resisted the temptation to go to Leviticus and add another 15 minutes to my sermon by going there and talking about the law. Uh, so I, I love to talk about uh, this kind of stuff with you. I, I'm still waiting for the day when someone knocks on my door and says, hey, do you have a moment to talk about the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? And I'm like, I sure do. Come on in. Let's do it. I, I haven't. That hasn't happened to me yet. I'm like, what's going on, folks? They blacklisted your house already. Yeah, they, yeah, I don't, I don't, they didn't even know I live there. I need to move. Drew, any uh, party thoughts here as we talk about uh, people who disagree with us? Yeah, I would say... You know, when we, we talked about those three questions, right? Like, who do you believe God is? You know, and, and I think the Seventh-day Adventists would say, we believe the same thing about Jesus as, as, as you do, which is awesome. Uh, what do you believe about the Bible? You know, I think they would say they believe the Bible the same as we do. Although we did say there's that caveat where they have, um, you know, um, Ellen White as kind of their interpreter. Um, so, you know, that's a, I, I think those are just little, little flags we got to watch for. Um, in that. And then we ask about what happens when you die. I do think there's some differences there that are worth exploring. So like Darren said, if there's some conversations, you know, like think the Seventh-day Adventists, you know, they, um, they believe that, that um, like death is an unconscious state. So, um, you know, they, they really think that after you die until Jesus comes back, that there's really, you're like in this idea of sleep. And the Bible does refer to death as sleep uh, sometimes. So they take that literally. Like, so, so sleep is this metaphor um, in the Bible we see often. Well, they, they basically say, well, until Christ returns, then, you know, you're after you die before Christ comes back. It's kind of this unconscious state. Um, they, they also believe that, uh, that, that hell, um, you know, the eternal separation from God in eternity um, is not eternal for, for people that said no to Jesus. Um, they believe that it's not like this, you know, sometimes we get this picture of like this hot 
burning subterranean dungeon subterranean dungeon right um but what they believe is that sinners and unbelievers will ultimately have you know they'll ultimately die so jesus comes back instead of like going to hell and you know being in in the picture that jesus gives us is is gehenna right the trash dump where you're separated from god you're in this nasty place um they believe that you just ultimately die for eternity so a nihilism would be what you would say um that would be called and, um, and so I think it's good discussions to have, you know, and to say, Hey, okay, you guys, we have some different beliefs or I'd love to know more about your beliefs. Cause I think sometimes it helps when we, when we hear those things, it drives us to God's word. It drives us to, uh, ask those questions of church leaders around us and people we trust and it can strengthen our faith and can also open a door for us to have a conversation with somebody, um, who thinks differently than us and that we can engage those conversations and the Holy spirit can be working on their hearts and ours as well. So those are good opportunities that we shouldn't shy away from, but it does bring up the importance that we should be, we should know what we believe so we can talk about it. And that doesn't mean we have to be, um, seminary level understanding, uh, but that we do know what our faith stands on and that way we can have a conversation to defend it. No, absolutely. If you have questions or more specific questions, especially about that newsletter or just in general, what we're talking about today, send them to us at life at forefrontchurch.tv. Or if you're at Forefront on Sunday, you're there, you can drop them off the uh, write them on the communication card, drop them in the box in the back. And we'd love to hear from you if you have questions. And if there's anything I think we learned today is that, you know, it opens up ways for us to understand more about what we believe. And then, you know, also respond in kindness. Like, like are we that bold in our faith to go be willing to have conversations with strangers about what we believe? So interesting thoughts to think about and to take forward and hopefully we can be all a little bit more like the Bereans. So with that, Pastor Darren Enns, thank you so much for your time. Enjoyed it today. Thanks. Pastor Drew Tarwater, thank you for your time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening, and I'm Rob Lott. You have been listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, more to the story. Podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of More to the Story.